enemies of a vision. Things that crop up in our midst and that stop us in the tracks of the vision. Things that if we do not be aware of, we would find them in our midst. And if we are not taught in this way of God, we will allow them in and very soon we become a has-been ministry. And God is very jealous of this place. God is very jealous of this vision, not just this place. God is very jealous of what he has begun in this place. Therefore, he wants you to be aware of things that we need to be mindful of that can stop us on our progressing and becoming what God has ordained that we should become. Is somebody hearing me? And I said seven distractions. Number one, I mean seven enemies or seven things that, that stop the vision. Number one is distractions. And I mentioned three distractions, which is glory, which is money, which is, I mean, which is glory, which is gold or girls. Or you can call it fame, can call it money, you can also call it women. If they are allowed, and, and I'm not saying women, like women, women are a problem to the vision. I'm talking about entangling yourself. I'm talking about entanglement. Allowing the anointing to be entangled in that particular area. And I don't have time to teach about that. And the, the reason why it's called distractions, it is because it, the word destruction, I like the, the quotation that we put some years ago, that your distractions will lead to your destruction. All right? Your distractions will lead to your ultimate destruction. So the word destruction with the, word, with the letter A refers to you being distracted or you losing focus from that which is important. Losing focus from that which is central. Losing focus from that which God has called you for. So when you are distracted, when you lose focus, you lose, you take your eyes off the prize and you begin to be distracted by these things. You will lose the energy and the grace and the anointing that is meant to lead this vision. Is somebody hearing me? And number two enemy we said is complacency. Somebody say complacency. Complacency, the feeling of having made it. The feeling of, of having achieved the feeling of being above and, and not below and therefore relaxing your energy and your strive and no more doing the basics because you think you have arrived. Success is always the enemy of the next success. When you begin to camp on your little success and forget the bigger picture and God says as a church we must not settle for, for these little successes that we think we have. When we begin to compare ourselves with those we think are below us. And I said there is no one who is ever below us. It is a perception. Some people are simply below you because of the season. Or look to be below you because of the season where they find themselves. But they are actually not below you. And as a matter of time you'll be amazed. When you look, you find them way ahead of you. So never compare yourselves to other people. Because when you begin to compare yourselves to other people, you will find yourself discouraged or you will find yourself complacent. Only follow that which God has placed in your heart and follow the vision as God has written in your spirit. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Therefore, we must run the race that is before us. But not only is complacency complacency and enemy of the vision also fatigue somebody say fatigue when when we become tired of the vision 
And it is possible that in two years' time, some of you are even tired. You, you feel like we've driven you too fast. You feel like we're pushing you too far. You feel like not sharing anymore like you used to share. You used to share the vision. You used to share on social media. But you are tired. You, you feel tired. You, you, and the Lord's saying, I must tell you, you're tired too soon. It's still early morning to be tired. You must never lose your energy. You must never lose your zeal and the burden that God has placed in your heart. It is too soon to be tired. The journey is still far ahead. We have a lot of work to do. Therefore, do not allow fatigue to cream in. Is somebody hearing me? And number three, I talked about the elder brother mentality. Ooh, I like the amens on that. The elder brother mentality. Somebody say, I heard the Lord last week. The elder brother mentality. And, and the Lord says, I need to go back and reteach that text in detail, the actual text. Because I didn't teach the text. I was just giving an introduction. So if you thought you heard the Lord last week, he is not done with you. So this morning we're talking just elder brother again. And by the way, sisters were very happy last week, I'm told, that it's called elder brother. So they are not implicated by any chance. It's, it's not elder sister. It's elder brother. So sisters felt exonerated. <laughs> Glory be to God. Can we read the text in Luke chapter 15 and begin to teach on this text for about 20 minutes and close? The Bible says, now his elder brother, from verse 28, now his elder, his elder son, okay, Luke 15, verse 28 to 32. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fetid calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fetid calf for him. And he said unto him, that's the father now. Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother who was dead is now alive again. And was lost and is now found. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Are you okay this morning? And by the way, this kind of teachings are not meant for your spiritual exhortation as such so that you go home feeling good. And it is meant to build the body of Christ. Not all teachings must make you feel excited about yourself. Not all teaching of, oh, it's Sassi and Gozuen and the Lord was speaking to me and I was so full of the spirit. And some teachings are meant to build the kingdom and are not meant to kitaza you. And, and listen to me, the Lord was ministering to me to, today. He says, my church is full of selfish people. We all come to be excited in the house of the Lord. 
And we all come to get a word for ourselves. And whenever a teaching like vision is taught, you feel bored. Because it doesn't talk anything personal. It's not that kind of teaching that says you shall be blessed. As you leave out this house, the Lord says there is a million waiting for you. The Lord says you're going to rise. There are certain teachings that are not selfish. They are not meant for myself edification. They are meant for the body in order for the body to be stronger. For the more the body is stronger, the more your spirit will benefit. And therefore such teachings are about the corporate. It's a corporate teaching. Tell your neighbor it's a corporate teaching. The elder brother mentality, we are not referring to the brother as such. We are speaking about the, the state of mind. Somebody say the state of mind. These are aspects in ministry we need to watch out for as a church. And I'm not only speaking to Shamayab and church and every other church. This teaching applies to anything called a church. We must not allow this spirit to thrive in our midst. Because it can destroy a vision. Is somebody hearing me? Therefore, when we speak about the elder brother mentality, we're speaking about the state of mind of one that has been in a vision for a while. And how we should never allow the fact that we have been for a while to stop the progress of the ministry. We must always be outward looking and not be inward focused. I want to repeat that. As a church, we must always be outwardly looking and not just inward focused. We came in first in order to prepare for those who are to come in. I want to repeat this. I came in first so that I prepare for those who are coming. I did not come in first so that I shut the door behind me and rule inside. I came in first so that I prepare for my father's kids that are on the way. And therefore, my attitude should be receptive all the time. And welcoming to new people. If you see a pastor being sent to this church and he's equipped by God to teach, he does not have to wait like comrades in the ANC. The difference between ANC and DA is that in DA, you are treated on merit and ability and competency. In the NC, you are treated based on your history of the struggle. How's now history of struggle? How crazy you play the week rain? Musopo, Now, the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen, comrades. I'm sorry, my ANC, I love you guys. I'm just looking at the differences. That it is difficult to get in that movement unless you have credentials of the struggle. Such a way struggle to get credentials. Because When president, and this is the elder brother mentality that stops the movement from growing and reaching frontiers that it could reach if it was to open up for newcomers who have no struggle credentials. I don't want to talk about my comrades. By the way, that's, that's a part I've been voting for years. So, so don't you ever think that I, yeah. 
So if you know my vote is an open secret. Amen. Glory be to God. But, but as I learn a few things, I bring them to teach about them. Therefore, we came in first in order to prepare for those who are on the way. We must always be ready for newcomers and new players in ministry. If we are not ready, we will be destructive in our attitude. We must not ask you, we must ask the Lord. Why must we ask you? This is not your thing, it's the Lord's thing. Elder brother, I'm, I'm not finished with you, elder brother. Companies that don't look forward for new, that don't look for new territories and new customer bases and new innovative ways will always be thrown out of the rail. We always have to look for new customers, new territories. So is churches. It must always be about opening our doors to strangers and new people that come in. And we must be stranger friendly. The newest person must sit in front. So that they feel at home. So that they feel welcome. The newest person must be given attention. And the older they get, we push them to the back. Bring the new ones in front. So that we grow. That's how we grow. But when we treat strangers like they are not welcome, we will never grow as a church. And this is the address that God wants to make this morning. Growth is always about new people and we must bring them forward and treat them like kings and service them like kings. The oldest brother must service new brothers like they are his, I mean they are his kings and he is their servant. Jesus says if you want to be great you must start by serving. And our greatness must be expressed in service and not in greatness. Not in power expression. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Now, I want us to pick up, I have 10 minutes and I must pick up 8 spirits out of the big brother. I want to cast out 8 demons this morning. 8 demons that are possessing the elder brother. The first demon is unforgiving spirit. Unforgiving spirit of the elder brother. He says to his father, this son of yours those words alone. This son of yours, he has de disconnected himself from his younger brother. He no more calls him my brother. He calls him this son of yours. This son of yours has wasted all your money. All your money. Not our money. All your money. He is disconnected to the family because the elder brother has unforgiving an unforgiving spirit. The wrong, the elder brother mentality says the wrong must be punished for their sins. The elder brother says whoever is wrong in church, they must pay. If ever you have left the church, you must sit at the bed there. That's the elder brother. Elder brother. So elder brother suffers from an, an unforgiving spirit that whoever commits wrong must pay for it and must pay for it in full. There is no view of the grace of God in the elder brother because the whole story is about God's grace. 
The whole story is about how God has brought us into his family in spite of our weaknesses and our wrongs. But not only is the story about sinners, it's also about backsliders. We always think that the text is also only for sinners. But the text is about backsliders. One who was in the house but has strayed away and now is returning to the house. How do we treat them? The father is welcoming, but the elder son is not welcoming. The elder son says, if you ever backslid, if you ever left the church for any reason, when you come back, you must pay. You must sit there in the back. You must go through the class again, and you must feel like a fresher, and you must serve another seven years without saying anything in the church. Yeah, after that, you can now begin to maybe take offering. Leonardo Fanyana, one month in a year. Elder brother mentality. And God says, I brought you in and I never counted your sins. I forgave you. Even today, I'm still forgiving you. Who are you to take my place and begin to be the judge and the referee and the prosecutor at the same time? And tell my people what they must do in order to deserve my grace. Didn't I die for you? And God is speaking to you, elder brother, that there are people in this church that will backslide at some stage. There are people in this church that will lose track at some stage. And they will return. And God is watching how you treat them. And how you treat them will determine how we are ready to move forward as a church. It is not up to us to judge people. It is up to the Lord to restore his own. As a matter of fact, the church is the only place where wounded soldiers are beaten down. Wounded soldiers are not taken to hospital in the church. Wounded soldiers are told to heal on their own and to take care of themselves and no one cares about them. And God says, this is not a spirit I want in my church. Elder brother, I'm here to talk to you. I hope you're listening. Second spirit that I'm here to cast out. Controlling spirit. The spirit of Jezebel. Controlling spirit. Controlling spirit of the elder brother. The elder brother wants to have a say in how the entire thing must be run. If the father does anything without consulting him, he is offended. He'd rather stay outside. Why was this done without consulting me? Controlling spirit of the elder brother. Wanting to take the father's place. Wanting to sit where the father sits. The story is even silent about the mother. It doesn't say anything about the mother. The elder brother becomes even more controlling than the mother herself. Wants to have a say on how justice must be meted in the house. And if he is not consulted, he becomes offended. And God is here this morning to cast out that demon in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Is somebody hearing the Lord this morning? It is not up to us to decide who sits on the right and who sits on the left in the kingdom of God. The sons of Zebedee were so famous in the cabinet of Jesus Christ. And the mother even came to a point 
of approaching the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 and propose unto him that how, how about making my sons, one of them on your right and one of them on your left when you ascend into your kingdom. And I like the answer of the Lord Jesus when he answers the mother. Mothers are manipulative. And they always want the best for their kids. Mary wanted the best for Jesus. And so was the mother of Jacob. She manipulated his way into the throne of that house and to get the blessing. I don't want to get into that. But listen to what Jesus says to the mother. He says to the mother, hey, listen to mama. Do you want your sons to be baptized with the kind of baptism that I will go through? In other words, there is a price to pay in order for them to go to be where you want them to be. But I like the latter part of his answer. He says, but even if they were to be baptized with my baptism, it is not up to me. I want to repeat that. He says, it's not up to me to decide who sits on my right and who sits on my left. That is up to the Father. In other words, Jesus is a typical son that we need to be who says, I have certain authority, but up to certain points, there are certain things that I cannot decide as Jesus. Certain things are the prerogative of the Father. And let the Father be. I say, let the Father be. I say, let the Father be. Glory be to God. That spirit that I'm casting out of the elder brother, deserving an entitlement spirit. Deserving and entitlement spirit. That I am entitled to this. He says, all these years I have been serving. I, uh, I deserve to be treated better. I deserve to be looked after. I deserve. The church needs to do this for me. I deserve it. The pastor must bury me. If it's not him, I'll come out of the casket. <laughs> if I'm sick, the pastor must come to the bed. I don't want no elder. He must not send any of his associate pastors. He himself must come and pray for me. I deserve it. The elder brother mentality. Entitlement spirit. I want to say this as I teach. I'm out of time. I don't know why I'm always out of time. Why? Why? Can we rewind the clock? <laughs> Can I teach? So those of you who are live, if you still have data, continue with us. If you don't, the Lord bless you. You can join us another day. But we have to teach. So the service will continue live as well. Amen. Can I finish the eight spirits? Thank you so much. Amen. Let not your loyalty to the vision turn into poison. Do not allow the fact that you've been loyal and have served this long turn into a very destructive element in what you're trying to achieve. And therefore, rather you need to learn to become an institution of greatness in the church. Be a point of reference of any good that we are looking for as an elder brother. Whenever we're looking for reference, we must refer to you. But do not allow the devil to turn your longevity in the vision to become a curse to the vision. Be a blessing and not a curse. Do not stand in the way of God simply because you've been long in the service. I quoted a story last week of the old prophet. Somebody say the old prophet. 
That story is in 1 Kings chapter 13. And some of you who are interested in the word, I'm sure after I quoted the story, you went and hunted for it. It's in 1 Kings 13. The Bible speaks about the man of God who came to town to speak to the king and speak a prophecy and leave. And the instruction of God was that as soon as you have spoken, you must leave town. And you must not drink, you must not eat, and number three, you must not go back the same way you came. So he had to go back to Judah another way. And the Bible says, they told the old prophet. Somebody say old prophet. Is there in your Bible? The words are very particular. The old prophet, the elder brother, the old prophet, the elder brother, the old prophet, that there was this young man whom God used. I mean, the young man was used by God to a point where the king, as a king was saying, hey, arrest that man. He's cursing us. The Bible says, as the king was lifting up his hand, his hand was withered immediately. That's how powerful the young man was. He, the king had to plead with the young man, the, the, the new prophet, that, hey, pray for me because my hand is withered. And the Bible says the man pleaded with the Lord and immediately the king's hand was restored. And the king was afraid of the man. And the king even said to the man, come to my house and please have a drink. And the man, the man of, watch this. I want you to remember that story. The man of God is told by the king or pleaded with by the king to go to the house of the king and have a drink. Watch this. He refuses. He says, no, I will not do that. And he leaves and he did not take because the Lord had instructed him not, not to do it. But on his way, the old prophet hears that this, this young man, he goes after him. He begins to tell him that I want you to come and drink in my house. Watch the difference. And yet he says, he adds that the angel of the Lord has actually instructed me to tell you. Now, watch this. And I want you to catch this. The voice of someone outside the house of God does not have the same weight as the voice of someone inside the house of God. If Satan wants to destroy you, the quickest way is to get some rugged old brother in the house of the Lord that will tell you things that are outside the will of God. It is easy to believe someone in the house than someone outside the house. And that's how the young prophet was destroyed because he heard the voice of the elder brother. The elder brother is more influential. The elder brother has more authority. The voice of the elder brother is more credible than the voice of someone in the world. If someone in the house, a woman for that matter, who is not married, and you are also not married, and she begins to say to you, Mutala, wena, mwana, wena, safik. Besuti, tsa, Ngatu kulmitwini isi asilo mama lumi. Ngempele ngayenza ngalendlela shongayo. Markoto wa maupegi izwi, akutangana. Ayiko lente zwi. And therefore, the voice of the elder brother has more weight than even a stranger. And be watchful of that. Is somebody hearing me? I love the way Eli used his seniority to bring up young people. And I want to teach on that quickly. How Eli, the prophet or the priest in the house of the Lord, in the book of Samuel, the first book of Samuel, how Eli used his seniority to allow Samuel into his ministry. If, 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 if Eli had the elder brother mentality, look at this, he would have said, there is no way God would speak to you without speaking to me. And then Eli would try and sabotage the voice of God by saying the following. Um, yeah, I called you. I called you. Yes, I called you. Go back and sleep. 
And then the young man would come again and say, did you call me? And Eli would say what? Yes, I called you. I was checking if you're fine. Go back and sleep. But Eli, being the old man that he was, became the real good example of what an elder brother needs to do. That an elder brother needs to understand that God will not consult you with all things that he wants to do. At times God will bypass protocol and he will go to those who are younger than you and begins to speak to them. But you need to have a mature mind of understanding the protocols of God. Knowing that God does not have to consult you at all times. And Eli understood that. And Eli allowed Samuel to become the prophet that Samuel became. Give God a hand for a man like Eli. Therefore, as an elder brother, be a custodian of great memories in the church. Be a custodian of great memories. If people want to know how this ministry began, let them come to you and learn and hear the fire of God, how it began began in this church. For in many years to come, you will be an elder brother indeed. There are new people who will come into this place, who know nothing about this place, become the library they are looking for. Become the the source of good information and inspiration. Become someone that will inspire them to become even greater within the vision. Don't be that somebody say, hey, Maranan, hey, Maranan, hey, Maranan. God says you must not be that kind of a voice. Be the fire that burns in the place. When people look for a prayerful person, they must look to you. When people look for a tithing person, they must look to you. When people look for someone who's committed to God, they must look to you. Be the elder brother that encourages the goodness of God and not discourages the work of God. Be the stability. Be the reliability. Be the dependability. Be the stewardship. Be the focus. Be all of that. Big brother. i got to finish big brother. And I'm still on number four. The fourth spirit, the spirit of not understanding your rule. The spirit of not knowing who you are in the house of the Lord. Not understanding your role spirit. If I had a way, I didn't know how to coin this name. It's another spirit. Whatever your, your name is, we cast you out in Jesus' name. Not understanding your role spirit. That, that spirit that makes you confused. You don't know who you are. The father says the following words. He says, all that's mine is yours. And you don't understand that. Young man, you're confused. You don't understand understand that all of us in the house are tenants to you. Elder brother, you, you forgot that at the time of division of wealth and heritage, I divided wealth. The Bible says he divided the wealth between the children. He gave the young ones what he wanted. The difference is the young one took what he heard with him and he went. And you did not take yours. But it still remains the fact and truth that everything that is left is yours. The entire estate is yours. But you don't seem to understand that the whole thing is yours. You, you are acting like a worker. You are acting like a hired servant in your own place. You don't understand that Shammai Eben Church is your thing. You don't understand that this place is your place. You don't understand that this vision is your vision. It is yours. It is as much yours as is everybody else's. You are an owner. You are a shareholder. You are not a guest in this place. 
You arrive for prayer as if you're a guest. You come to church as if you're a guest. You don't even know who has put the chairs together, but you are the owner. You're waiting for someone to welcome you at the door when you should be welcoming them into your own place for this is your place. Elder brother, you don't understand. This is your thing. Own up the thing. Own up this vision. For God has entrusted this vision into your hands. Sometimes you are even not tithing because you think others are tithing. But listen to me, your tithe is the most important tithe. If you don't tithe, who is tithing? If you don't give, who is giving? If you don't pray, who is praying? Dear owner, you are the owner. And God says, I must remind you, big brother, this is your vision and not their vision. Everything that is in this place is yours. And number two, he says, you don't understand that you have so much power and we are at your mercy. You can do so much with that power. You're behaving like a worker instead of an owner of this kingdom. And I want you to understand that this is your place. This is your place. This is your place. This is your place. That chair is yours. This building is yours. This kingdom is yours. Somebody say, I hear you, Father. Not understanding your role, but also... You need to understand the role that God has placed you in. You want to have a control in how the father runs the affairs of the house. You, will, you, will, you need to understand that power has to be transferred with time. Even as far as that the father has given you the heritage. But you need to understand that his power still remains. Until he's dead, he still remains the father. And therefore, listen to me. There is a reason why some of us are fathers and others are not fathers. The heart of a father is not the heart of a son. Because a son can hate his brother, but a father has to love both. The father has no choice. You as a brother can hate your brother, but the father has no choice. He has to love all of you. He has to love the one who wasted the anointing. He has to love the one who remains in the house and still doesn't understand who he is. The father is a father. That's a reason why certain people are not made pastors. Because God knows that they will destroy everything in their path. Because they have a son, they have a heart of a brother, they don't have a heart of a father. You cannot be a pastor with a brother's heart. You have to have a father. By the way, sometimes even a mother's heart is not enough to be a pastor. <laughs> that's deep stuff. I say that's deep stuff. Because the mother of Jacob was able to decide which son must get this. And did not care about the other son. Do you know how it broke the heart of Isaac when he discovered that he has already blessed the wrong son? But the mother didn't care. The mother got her favorite. Glory be to God. There is a reason why we call him our father, not our mother, who is out in heaven. <laughs> Study your Bible. Our father. For the heart of a father is bigger than any other heart. 
The father had to go out and meet the son who was lost. The Bible says he ran to meet that son, not the mother. And I'm not having anything against mothers. I'm talking about the heart of a father that will go out and meet a son who has wasted everything. And the father sees no problem. And everybody else in the house has a problem with it. Why do you welcome him back? Why do you allow him back? He's supposed to pay for his sins. And the father sees no problem. Because the heart of a father is the heart of God that is full of grace and does, does not count all your wrongs. But not only did the father go out and meet the wrong son, the father also went out to meet the elder son. The father always goes out to meet the sons. The father always takes the extra mile to meet the sons. It's a heart. It's a calling. It's a heart. It's a calling. It's a heart. It's a calling. It's not something that you put on yourself. Being a pastor, it's not a career. It's a calling. And it comes with grace. Sometimes you do things that do not ordinarily make sense. Like this kind of a father. I hope you're being taught the word of God this morning. Somebody say, I hear you, Lord. Can I finish the fifth spirit? I'm casting out a couple of demons this morning. Demon number five, the descent spirit. Descent, D-I-S-S-E-N-T, because descent can sound something else if it's not on the screen. D-I-S-S-E-N-T, descent. In other words, dissatisfaction kind of a spirit that rules in a church. And the elder brother, if he's not aware, he can be the source of a descent spirit. Watch this. He called one of the sevens and inquired out of them. I want to teach on that. As he comes, he hears a noise in the house and he calls one of the sevens and inquires out of them. I want to repeat that again until you get it. As he comes, he calls one of the sevens and begins to inquire from sevens. This is the kind of spirit you need to watch out as an elder brother. When you reach a point, when you don't talk to your father, you begin to speak to servants. You begin to inquire about the father's decision from servants. You begin to speak to those who are lower than you to understand what the father is doing. Instead of speaking to the father himself. Instead of having a conversation with the father, you are going below yourself. And you begin to discuss the matters of the house with those who are foreign in the house. Because servants are not born in the house. But you are conversating with servants about matters of the kingdom of God. And this is a spirit that I'm here to cast out this morning. That God says when you begin to descend, descend like going lower to that point where you don't even discuss with your father anymore and you're not talking to servants. That's the beginning of the downfall of the house. And you need to watch out for that spirit. Where you don't just talk to servants about important matters. You know this is not for servants. This is for the house. This is to discuss with my father. I may not be happy with it, but I'll find time to sit down with daddy and we're going to work this out. Therefore, I'm not going to spread gossip within the household. I will wait for the right moment to discuss this issue that I'm not happy about with daddy in the corner. But I'm not going lower to speak to servants. Sixth spirit. The angry spirit. Anger spirit. 
The Bible says he was angry and he would not come in. It reminds me of Cain who was angry with the Lord. And it's also an issue of elder against younger brother. You see that in Cain, how Cain was angry with the fact that God is recognizing the younger. God is giving credit to the younger. And Cain became angry against that. And he began to want to fight that which God had begun to do. And this is the same spirit that elder brothers begin to gain in the long time. If they are not connected to the spirit of God, elder brothers begin to be jealous of younger people that God begins to use in front of them. Why is God using you more than me? Why when you preach so much anointing comes down? Why when you sing, people are moved more than me and may not have been here for long? God does not operate with age and durations and years. He is outside time. God is a God of presence. God is a God of presence. I like what Pastor Mkweno was saying the other day. God is a God of presence. Do you have the presence? Because you may be old in the house, but you don't have presence. You don't have grace. There is no oil upon you. And do not fret that oil is not upon you. Maybe the thing of oil is not your thing. And don't worry, God has called us differently. Not all of us should have oil against, I mean in the house. Some of us are called for different things. Stick to your corner and let those upon whom oil has fallen be used by God. And gain and get the best out of that oil. Boy, I'm teaching. I wish you hear this word this morning. He had anger issues. It's difficult to work with people who are angry in a church. They would not come in. They stay outside because they're angry. They stay outside of every discussion. You call a meeting, they don't come to meetings. They don't even apologize for not coming to meetings because they're angry. And they don't even discuss their anger with their father. They're speaking to servants in the house. Oh boy, this message. They would not come in. They would not come in. They, they want to stay outside. You're trying to build. You have a campaign. They're not in the campaign. You have raising of funds. They're not raising funds. You have this to do. They don't want to do this. They don't want to come in because they're angry. They are angry, but they don't go. And this is the difference. They are angry, but they don't leave. They stay in the church, but they don't do anything. Because they are angry. They don't mind sitting in the back. And it could be sitting in the back, literally, but also figuratively. Sitting at the back of the bus. We, we just want to do not, nothing. And then a, a younger kid would come and inquire, eh, Kutuwa snigela. I am Relax. It's okay. Elder brother. Stopping the work of God from growing. They are angry, but they will not tell you that they are angry. You see it through their actions. They are withdrawn. They would not participate. They would not come to certain things. They choose which things to attend and which things not to attend because of anger issues that they have. They are staying outside and they will not cooperate. May God deliver us from that spirit. Spirit number seven. At least I'll seek Zegapumi. Number seven, the arrogant spirit arrogant spirit. 
It's, I also call it, I want to be begged spirit. Then When a pastor arrogant spirit that says only the voice of the pastor will move me. If he's not leading intercession, I'm not going. It must be the pastor himself who leads it. Welcome. <laughs> the Bible says, therefore his father came out to plead with him. Number one, the father had to come out to plead with him. The voice of the servant was not enough to explain the entire story to him. It needed the father to come out himself. And as the father comes out, he's not just coming out. He's coming to plead. He's coming to beg. He's coming to explain. He's coming to even open up his heart. And by the way, I said this last week and I want to repeat. This is one story in your Bible that remains unfinished. Read it. It's there. There is no conclusion of this story. The Bible stops right there where the father is still begging. It doesn't say that the brother walked in. It says the father was still begging. The last person to speak was the father. He still, even now, the father is begging. Centuries later, the father is still asking the son to come into the house. May the Lord deliver us from wanting to be begged all the time. Wanting to be told about offering and tithes. Sometimes no pastor is needed to stand on a Sunday to tell us about tithe. How many scriptures do you need to convince you that your tithe is important in the house of God? How many scriptures do you need to be told that you need to give, my brother? How many? How many servants will the Lord send in order to convince you about the importance of giving and tithing? God is pleading with you every Sunday. God is begging you every Sunday, when some of us have already moved out of being begged, we actually are begging God, God, how much can I give you? I need, can you show me what can I do for you? Because I know what you have done for my family. Show me what can I do for you, Jesus! I'm no more waiting for Jesus to beg me anymore. I'm begging him for a chance. Lord, if there's a building I can build, show me. Lord, if there's a project I can give towards you, show me because I know what you're capable of doing. I'm now begging him. He's no longer begging me. When are you moving out of being begged? Sometimes we don't need to understand. We just need to do. And in the doing, we will find understanding. As we do, we will understand even more. Sometimes we don't need to understand. And the last spirit. Busy but disconnected spirit. Busy but disconnected spirit. The Bible says, now his elder son was in the field when the brother came back. And when he comes back, he has issues. 
And I want to close with that, that there are some of us who are elder brothers in the house. We are so busy with the work of God, but we are disconnected from the heart of the Father. We are like Mary and Martha, one who is in the kitchen and one who is at the feet of Jesus. We are so busy in the kitchen that to a point where we don't have anything to do with the feet of Jesus. There are people who would clean the floor of the church but would curse you. We are cleaner. We are cleaner. I humble no Jesu. They are so busy, but they are disconnected from the hearts of the person for whom they are working. They are not connected to this person. So the elder brother is busy in the field, but he does not have the heart of the father. No wonder when he comes, even though he is working so hard. But he doesn't still understand his father. He doesn't understand the vision of the house. We must not just serve the vision, but also have the heart of the vision. Have the heart of your pastors. Have the heart of Jesus. Have the heart of your pastors. Always ask yourself, would pastor do it this way? Or would Jesus do it this way? Have the heart of the house where you serve. Do not be foreign to us. Do not be strange to us. Act in a way that is not representative of the heart that we carry. Nor the heart that Jesus carries. When you serve without the heart, you become a worker. I want to repeat that as I close. When you serve without the heart, you become a worker. We must have the hearts of sons. So that we can have the heart of the Father. Not workers. Busy but also connected. Connected to the heart of God. Connected to the heart of Jesus. Connected to the heart of the house. So that we act, speak and be what the heart of the house represents. There is a heart God has given us. There is a heart that God has placed in Christ Jesus. Discover that heart. Begin to walk and live around that heart. If we are loving people, you've got to be a loving child. If we are welcoming pastors, you've got to be a welcoming son in this house. If we are reaching out to people, you've got to be reaching out to people. If we are loving, you've got to be loving. Let us do as God has placed leadership in front of us. And more so as Christ. I love what Paul says. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't just follow me blindly. As I follow Christ, as I follow Christ, as I follow Christ, go after Christ. In other words, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing after Christ. As long as it's after Christ, you do what Christ says and do what Christ has said in this place. I trust that the Lord has spoken to you. I trust that the Lord has ministered to you. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Stand up on your feet. Thank you so much. I am the Lord that he, he loved thee.
Amen.